All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, presented by The Nation Network. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you very much, Elisa. Oilers Nation Radio episode 140 coming to you on a Tuesday because we're doing playoff episodes, baby. Oilers are no out. (laughs) Oilers are out. You know what? We're going to get into this for a second. This is the first episode we were going to do as a bonus episode of ONR. We said we're going to do two a week throughout the playoffs. The first time that we get to do one. (laughs) It's like, fucking what the hell? Uh, But we'll get to that. This is the debrief episode on what just happened, what we watched, what went wrong. We're going to get to all of it. First, I want to start off by shouting out our friends at Sherwood Ford the Giant. Follow them on Instagram at Sherwood Ford underscore the Giant and on Twitter at Sherwood Ford. Gentlemen, I don't know what to say. If you had asked me a week ago, about whether I thought it was a realistic possibility that the Edmonton Oilers, I'm not saying lose the series. Of course, that's a possibility, but get swept by the Winnipeg Jets. If you had told me that this was going to happen a week ago, as we started planning to do playoff editions of ONR, I wouldn't have believed you. I wouldn't have believed you. And the fact that it happened in the way it did, we're not talking about a team that got lit up like the Blues did against Colorado. We're talking about a team that lost three consecutive overtimes. Every game was a one-goal game. I know there was two empty netters in game one, 4-1 finish, but for all intents and purposes, that was a 2-1 game. Where do we start? Tyler, how do we start making sense of this? It's it's honestly, it was such a mind-blowing six days of of, of hockey that it's hard to wrap your head around it, right? Like, it's kind of... 
they lost four one goal games. They lost three straight overtime games. How does that happen? Um, you know, possession wise, all that, like all the numbers say they were the better team. My eyes say they were the better team. And most of those, you know, it ended up being what 16 or 17 periods of hockey over four games. They were the better team for most of them. It's hard to sit there right now and, and kind of go, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I just can't make sense of it. I'm honestly at a loss for words still. And I've been trying to talk about this thing all day. And like you said, like if you would have told me a week ago, this was going to happen. I, I wouldn't have believed you. It didn't even seem like a realistic possibility at all, but playoff hockey comes and there's a lot of luck in this sport and the Oilers had none of it. Well, it's interesting. Like we're talking, we're doing this right now at one o'clock on Tuesday, May 25th, the day after the, the triple OT loss. And it's a weird feeling because right now we could be sitting here and the series could be three, one Oilers. It could be two, two, it could be, uh, you know, three to one for the jets. Any combination of four games could be possible based on the series that we just watched. And the fact that the Oilers, like Tyler said, got no luck. They didn't get a friendly bounce anywhere. And Connor Hellebuck stands on his head. And, 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 and the list goes on and on. It's just, I don't know how you make sense of what we watched. Dan. Yeah. It's uh, to take nothing away from the Winnipeg jets. And I think that that's one thing that, uh, that I they think, well, I don't fans, think anybody yeah. should take anything away from them. Exactly. And I, and I think all other fans can feel that way. And, and, you know, it's the, the team played the best hockey that they could for more of the, the series than the Winnipeg jets did. Uh, they played their best game in game four and they played it for almost two entire games in game four. Uh, you know, calls could have gone our way. Puck bounces could have gone our way. Uh, but the Winnipeg Jets, you know, they played well when they had to. They they were opportunistic when they had to be. Their goaltending was great when it had to be. Uh, you know, and, and they shut down the two best players for at least two games of the series. You can say that they, they pretty soundly, they played dry and McDavid pretty darn well. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a numb feeling. It's definitely a confusing feeling. Um, but you know, like you said, bag milk, it's, uh, you know, it could be three to one jets right now. It could be two, two, it could be three, one Oilers that's just the way it goes sometimes in playoff hockey. You throw out the regular season, all the old adages come into play and uh, we're looking at, you know, what was a a false sweep of a sense that, you know, when you say that the blues and the Oilers got swept, it's two very different storylines and uh, you can kind of rest your hat on that. It doesn't make it feel any better because we're still out of the playoffs at the end of the day. But, uh, but, you know, after today's show, we start to look forward and and start to uh, start to plan for Mission 22. Well, we're going to talk about the sweeps and comparing sweeps, like Dan mentioned, because I don't know how many people listening to this right now were able to watch much of that Blues Avalanche series, but this was not that. Rick, you went on a little spirit mission on on I guess what that would have been Sunday night. Saw you wandering off into the distance. What, what do you? I mean, we've watched a lot of bad Oilers teams. We've watched a lot of losses, but this one just, it feels different, doesn't it? Yeah, this one hurts more. Like last last year hurt. Last year, uh, when they lost in five to Chicago or whatever the hell it was, um, 
I remember after that game, that, that, that was, that was terrible. Um, this one is, uh, there's just so many emotions at once. And I think that you have to like try and pull yourself back and, and figure out which ones are the, are the more logical ones. And, uh, I want to overreact. I want to sit here and scream and punch things and yell, but I mean, dude, there's, it was just, it was a couple of bad bounces. And I know that sounds like it's a, um, an excuse or something like that, but it literally, it literally was just a couple of bad bounces. And I don't think we played as well as we, uh, as well as we can there. We, we did leave something out there, uh, maybe not in game four, but I do think we could have been better in game one and two. I do think there was a better lineup to ice in games one and two. Um, I think there's a, a level of, of, um, culpability on, 95% of the people in the organization. And I think there's some people that need to look in the mirror and find a way to, to be better. And there's some that are looking around going, we can't do this all our, all, all on our own. And I mean, that's from guys with skates on to guys with dress shoes. I, like I said, I didn't like the way the lineups for game one and two game three, you saw a different team. I, I think it was just a, a better lineup for, for what we need in the playoffs. And I think he was a little too conservative and, we still made mistakes on the ice. The bear cough up with it. was super duper shitty. And you know, like uh, some of the ones that got past Smith and I'm not blaming them, but you know, they weren't the greatest girls that, you know, those exact, that exact play at the other end of the ice was kept with a net by Hellebuck. So um, as angry and upset and everything I am, I'm trying to sit back and not overreact and realize, you know, all the underlying numbers here said, we are the better team. Um, what if you watch the game? I think for the most part, we are the better team. It's I, I can't explain the I can't explain the outcomes. I think that's fair to be at a loss for words right now. Like it's just it was just fucked up, man. Like in game one, if Toninato doesn't just barely touch that puck, what happens? You never know. Game two, if they get one bounce offensively, that game's different. In game three, I'm gonna say, but if Josh Archibald doesn't take that penalty. They walk out of that game with a 4-2 win. And in the last game, if Ethan Mayer doesn't throw that puck up the middle, do they walk out of that game with a 3-2 win? Like, there's just, Dude. there was these little kind of shitty moments in, in every game that was like, damn, like, they got the little 50-50 balance and Edmonton didn't get it once. It was like Edmonton went and lost four roulette spins in a row. 56 games in the regular season. You line up Leon Dreisaitl in front of the net like he did in, I think it was overtime two. You're going that yeah. way. Overtime two, um, wide open in the slot. Puck comes to him one timer, missed the net. Did not happen in the regular season. Leon, or sorry, Darnell came down two shifts before that or something like that. Got one on the right wing and had a great opportunity to shot over the crossbar. So many things that happened in the playoffs were not what happened in the regular season. No words. I just, I, there's. Yeah. There's nothing. There's I just no think positive it's... spins. To, there's no positive spins. There's no nothing. There is a level of the guys just have to look back and say we failed. Yeah. That's it. There are no excuses. No excuses. I look at, we I look failed. at like to kind of expand on what you're saying, Rick, too. Like, you know, Connor McDavid dangles into the zone, slides into the middle of the ice in the slot area and gets that shot off. He scores that 25% of the time in the playoff or in the regular season. He's he, those, those pucks hit sticks almost every damn time that he took that shot. 
And, you know, you got to give credit to the Jets for that too. I, I, I mentioned it. I, I just feel like you gotta that, ask, was some of the you best gotta, stick, that was some of the best stick work I've ever seen from a team in a, a four-game stretch. He can't keep trying to go in there. And I'm and I was, dude, like I, he's the greatest player on the, on, on the face of this earth. But that last goal started from a turnover in their end. It was on his stick, didn't get it deep, didn't get it past the defenseman. At yeah. that point, you're, if anybody wants to sit here and say, and I'm in a couple of chakras and buddies, and they started lighting up Ethan Bear for this, dude. It's not on Bear. You're at a long change. You need to go at the at the. You need to go at the right um, the gamble. When Connor McDavid has the puck along the boards that low, <laughs> that's a hell of a gamble. I'm, I'm rolling in every time. Go, yeah. go, make the change. Go make the change. Go make the change. Turned over. There it goes. The tying goal was a collection of errors. Yeah, and the tying goal is fucked up. And it's it's unfortunate because I also think that nine times out of ten, Ethan Bear just rips it off the glass or he just high lob up, you know what I mean, to get it out. He he got punished for it. And that was another thing where the Jets were able to capitalize on those turnovers, whereas the Oilers were not in at the other end of the ice. You know what I mean? Because there was plenty of times when the Jets gave up the puck, but Again, we just didn't have the luck. We didn't have we didn't have what we, the confidence that we had in in the regular season. It's like Rick said, give Leon Drysaddle a one timer from the slot like that. He does not miss the net, and the fact that he did is just it's mind blowing. Darnell Nurse, he had an open corner on the top glove side, over by about a foot. Like that doesn't happen. It's just like everybody was gripping the stick a little bit, like everybody on this podcast loves Yamamoto. Nobody will ever question his work ethic, his drive, his, his, his puck pursuit, all of that shit. But like the guy is never going to score another goal. Do you know what I mean? It's just, I really thought I really, th- I did not care about the, the slump at the season. Cause I was like last game or two, whatever, he's going to get one, two, whatever. And the playoffs not going to be an issue. Got to last game, still didn't score a goal. That's okay. He'll get it. He'll, you know, he's going to pop one in the, this is one of the, this is one of those storybook things, you know, he's going to go however many games, yeah. go right into the playoffs and bang, he gets one. And all of a sudden he's got 14 and Pisani's giving him the key to the city. Like it's. Look at Cassian. I, just, I don't Look, know, man. There's just. There's Cassian, a lot of it. Cassian on the opposite post. Nuge finds him in like a set play. Yeah. And he can't even shovel that puck. He couldn't even lay down on the ice and shoot that puck in the net. That one killed just, me. Yeah, it just it didn't the, happen. I think it was game three. Yes, the Pugliarvi is set up on the side. And the, and Leon, I think it is, puts it right across the crease for him. Nuge thought it was Tim. Just barely gets a, uh, like a splinter of his stick on it. Throws it off. Can't get, can't, uh, gets away from, from Pugliarvi. Can't, that's 2-1 all of a sudden in the series. Like, it's just, there's so many stupid little things. And, and this is one thing I think why uh, I really dislike analytics because I, I get it, but they're frustrating. Everyone tells me the numbers will work themselves out. Well, guys, they don't always. I'm still waiting. Well, I mean, well, they do. The, the problem is they do. Out. They do, but in a, in a four game sample, they don't. It's just like flipping yeah. a coin. Generally speaking, the probability of flipping a coin is 50%, but you can go on a run and fucking 10 heads in a row. But over the long term, they generally do. But in a four game sample, man, that sucks. That blows. Yep. And it's just well, that's like not it's, just four games to me. That's how many how many shifts is that? Well, but like even you look at our own end of the net. Smith Smith had what two or three goals where he had an open look at the shot and it wasn't deflected where the puck went in, and that's it. You, that's all you can ask for from your goalie. Every every time that he got a goal scored on him, 
it was they go back to the clip and there was a there was a slight deflection like the Tonatino. I was just going to say there was a fucking game one the goal, Jets game scored one. a ton of deflection goals in this series. Yep. Game a one ton. game one goal one game one goal one was off his chest. He dropped the puck. Yep. He had this some thing. weak ones, but he also had yep. like and then that's why like because I get it, Rick. Like it's frustrating when they like, weren't weak. They're just one scene. Well, that, the other goaltender stopped. Yeah, the other yeah, and that's why them. it's frustrating. But like. Mike Smith also probably had to make more like oh, 10 bell no saves than Hellebuck. No blame at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not trying and to that's... put a blame on one guy. I'm just saying it's it's spread out amongst everybody. I'm sorry. Connor coughed it up there. Leon didn't score yeah. on his. Darnell played, you know, a week and a half in, in one game, and he missed one over the net. You know, Schmidty, as good as he was, and I loved him when he played the puck, and even that one cough up in the corner didn't even make my heart skip a beat. Didn't bother me at one bit. Yeah. But, but. It affected it. Uh, something quickly, Darnell Nurse, 60-whatever minutes in uh, in Game 4, turns around, has a baby the next day as well, or is there, or flies back, yeah. I believe, for his fiance to have the baby. Like uh, He said man. something about FaceTime. He yeah. said something about FaceTime, so I don't know where he was. But, That's a long uh, bus ride. What a 24 hours for Darnell Nurse, almost setting an NHL record for minutes played in the hockey game and then becoming a dad. And doing it in a lot less time than other defensemen have done it, right? Like, he played, he played, yeah, and one game. massive kick to the dick yeah. in the middle. Yeah. yeah. But yes, he played. That's a hell of an almost record. And fantastic. He has first child. That's fantastic. But I'm right between that and that 12-second area. You know, yeah. it's a massive kick to the dick. But and I also want to say, I got to say that I was – like, I get cutting minutes after mistakes. I get it. But I, I, I got to say, I thought it was odd that Tippett shortened – I get shortening the bench too, but like – Four defensemen I, and letting Darnell run for four and a half minute shifts is just like that's eventually going to burn you. A person cannot play that much hockey. This sport, this isn't. We're not fucking talking about baseball, man. We're not talking about golf, and it didn't necessarily hurt them per se. But you also, you're also not helping either. Exactly. See, at, some th- not, it, at some point, you're not. At some point, you're no longer punishing the Peter Klima. At some the Peter Klima. At some point, you're no longer punishing the player that that is the one that you're benching you're starting to punish the guys that are having having to play in their stead as my dogs start to wrestle in the background but you know like you're you're right bag milk at some point that's on darnell nurse now who's played 60 minutes in the game and rick you're also right it didn't cost us in the in the in the meantime but it was a struggle i I I think i think one some my defense for that will be when your season is on the line and you're in overtime, like Dave Tippett didn't know that game was going three overtimes or two overtimes or whatever. Like you need to look shift at by each, shift, by it's shift. shift by shift. It's the vacuum of the moment. And Dave Tippett, I think just kept saying, okay, we're in a situation now, defensive zone face off right now. I can't trust Ethan Bear and Slater cuckoo to make a smart play. So I need to go with Darnell nurse because a turnover ends our season. So it was just that decision over and over and over again. And Ethan bears getting a little crucified for that last, uh, for that turnover in the third period. But right before it, I was yelling at my TV because Slater Cuckoo had no pressure on his side of the ice and he still brought it behind the net. And I said, hit the brakes. I yelled that because he should have stopped behind the net and taken a second because he would have had time. He would have had time to look around. Instead, like he, he, he put Ethan Bear in a bit of an odd position. Like if Cuckoo would have just hit the brakes and taken a breath, it might have calmed down. And maybe that's something of, you know, if Ethan Bear is playing with a veteran, that he doesn't even get put in that situation. But that was, it was on Bear, would, but it was also on his partner a little. I would also say that the forwards need to own some of that too, because they flew the zone pretty quickly on that one. 
Yeah. There was yeah. not a lot of puck support or passing options for Ethan Bear. Now, again, he made a bad choice, but you need to look at the whole picture on it. There's a cuckoo angle that Tyler just brought up. There's where were the fucking forwards? Why is he, why is he having to make a hundred foot pass? Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? That's there's, what I was saying. Like we need to play that it, small. There's a bunch of it all in context of the play. And it's unfortunate that Ethan bear was the one on with the puck on his stick that made the pass. That's unfortunate, but you got to look at the whole picture. There was a lot going on there. I want to get away from Ethan bear for a sec. Um, I want to look at the Oilers inability to defend a lead in the regular. I think that was one of the more surprising things for me. Um, Well, first, before we get into that, shout out to skipthedishes.ca. I ordered a pizza last night. I was too stressed to make anything for myself. So skip the dishes. They got me fed as they always do. Skipthedishes.ca. Get yourself something to eat. Tip your drivers. Eat local. Try a new restaurant this weekend, Tyler. Maybe this weekend is the weekend that Tyler started, or I guess it's only Tuesday. Maybe this week (laughs) is the week that Tyler tries sushi for the first time. Maybe. Skipthedishes.ca can make it happen. All right. So I want to talk about the Oilers' inability to defend the lead. All season long, when they had a lead going into the third period, they for, I don't have the number in front of me, and I wish I did. I, I apologize. They were mostly automatic. Were they not, Tyler? When the Oilers scored first this season, they were 23-3-1. When the Oilers led after two periods, they were 26-1-2. and It's just like how... Rick almost threw up when I read that. Where does I knew that... The, I knew the number was good. I didn't realize that good that's why they, what bothers me is that the oilers they really did look incredibly nervous they really looked like they were gripping the stick and that they didn't have the same just swag that they closed out games with so often and going to game three yes we're gonna everybody's hitting archibald for that penalty it was dumb i don't understand the Rick's gonna. Well, I don't understand the suspension. That's for sure. But it was definitely a penalty. There was it was a needless hit, and you can't chop a guy out at the legs like that. Unless so, you can. Dylan yes, you can. You're Dylan DeMello did a fucking last night. You're allowed to do. We're that. gonna get. We're gonna get to refs, refs in a second, Rick. But like, if this is the regular season, too. that doesn't cancel out. Like the Oilers don't just crumble from that in the regular season. So that's why I just I believe that. They were nervous, like beyond repair almost. There was, they were nervous beyond repair and they were playing like not the confident team that just closed out wins automatically. They played tentative. They, played tentative. they went back to a style that you saw in like 2018 where they're just like yes. trying not to, not to lose. And then you get to the playoff, you know, when you're doing it in game 42 and game 36 and game 24, even the loss doesn't really mean that much to you, right? Like it, it sure, a loss is a loss, but at the end of the day, there's still a lot of more go a lot more games to go. So, uh, you know, you get to the playoffs. And I think when they got to the playoffs and they got down, it really got to them. That's why in the first game, you know, when you don't score right away, these guys, they kind of look like they're dragging pianos, but I think it's just like, they're trying too hard. They're, they're, they're trying too hard to create something. They're trying too hard not to, not to give up anything. Um, it's just, they actually contradict themselves. They actually, you know, they're, they're fight, they end up fighting themselves and, Dude, the three, four, one, or whatever it was, I thought we had some some space there. They gave up the one. I was like, that's okay, that's okay. That's why we got a three goal lead. And bang, another one. I was like, oh, well, luckily we have that three goal lead, right? It's one goal lead, but now we're still. Oh shit! Now they're tied. Oh, the level, the level of confidence I felt 
after Jujar Kara scored the fourth goal in that game was off the charts. I was having fun. We were talking about the Bud Light Seltzer guy in the stands. We were all making memes. It was a now good it's fucking time. now it's fucking Wednesday and we all want to like go hide under a rock somewhere. But or so, Tuesday. So Big Monkey kind of touched on it and I and I think that it's it's something that's like it's even bigger when you look at the defense as a whole because this team this team throughout the entire regular season and another comment that I'm saying that I don't have the stats to back it up on but but the defense on this team was chipping in offensively all year. We were what the third best team for defensive scoring this year and that tells me that you have a defensive core that is cool with making a mistake to go and get a goal to go and to go and chip in offensively um like rick said because because you have a 56 game runway to uh, to be able to make up for those mistakes and, and change your style of play if it does start to burn you uh when this when this series started though that defense was playing to not be the goat to not be the one the whole, that is the reason you lose a game versus being the hero. The whole team was playing like that in games one and two. Agreed. Almost, right? almost Agreed. Like, it almost but, felt like that was the coaching style. It, like instead of going with what we had in the regular season where we, you know, it, everybody's living on their toes and moving forwards. Um, it went back to like two years ago and we'd be winning and then we'd start to, you know, agree we're up by goal going to the third and we get off our toes and sit back on our heels at the flat of our foot. And we end up getting, and getting past us. It was it just, very frustrating. I think our coaching style needs to, push out in these positions well and i said it on state of the nation i think that this team needs to learn to play as a favorite we we as a franchise are really good at being underdogs we're really good when everybody counts us out and we're down three nothing in a series and we have our best game of the series that's real good but when this team comes in and they should be able to walk out of that series in five games or six games with a victory and they're coming in and playing tentatively in the first two games at home that's uh that you're right. That's a that's a coaching thing. That's a leadership thing. And I'm not saying that's just Connor McDavid. I'm saying that as a team, you need to walk in with a little bit of swagger and a little bit of you know these guys don't have the stuff to stay with us kind of swagger. We just didn't have it. So you know you 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 start to kind of play from behind. And then you start to try and adjust your style and it just doesn't happen in a small sample size as bag milk mentioned. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. You just, there's a lot of things. The thing, the difference for me with the Chicago series versus this one is there's not one thing that I can point to and be like, that's why I'm frustrated. There's, there's not, well, if we there just got goaltending. Sh- there wasn't one thing in Chicago either. I, oh, there was the goaltender. I didn't have man. enough. I didn't yeah, have the enough. Goaltenders the goaltenders let us down. The goaltenders okay, let us well, down well, in that series. Okay, but also Zach Cassian didn't come out. Also, this happened. That yeah. was garbage. Yeah, it's this a comedy of errors good. again. None of the guys played well. It's to me. It's but all if just, you get that goaltending cuts again. If you get what you got from Mike Smith this year against Chicago, it's a different story. The Chicago Blackhawks aren't running them mock all over us, right? Yes, well, we got it. Well, we got the goaltending this year, and we still fucking lose. The big yeah, thing that I want to more about, frustrating. That's exactly the big it. thing I want to talk about too is a major asset that the Oilers had heading into this series was their special teams. And I feel like that was really surprising for me how ineffective the Oilers were with their special teams. Yes, they finished at 18.2 <laughs> on the power play. They got a goal last night, needed it. But I think they only got two goals in the series, if I remember correctly, on the power play, which seems odd for an Oilers team that just seems to sink them 30% of the time. Also, on the flip side, their PK was disastrous against the Jets. It's just like, it was, I shouldn't say disastrous, maybe that's too heavy. But it just, it seems like they weren't killing by default 
like they had been towards the end of the season. It was, I don't know about you guys, but for the last month or so of the season, when the Oilers got a penalty, it was just like, fuck it, who cares? They're going to kill it off. But in this what year, if, I didn't feel like that. Winnipeg's got shooters, man. They got some They got some guys that can shoot, right? All of a sudden, you don't need to get to special areas anymore. You can start whipping them from anywhere. Um, we saw some of those goals that went in there because they had shooters. You know, you play against a team kind of like us a bit who doesn't really have the same amount of shooters. We do more of a, a systematic um, set of plays. It's a little bit easier to stop when these guys can shoot from anywhere which they did and took advantage of us. Maybe that's one thing we could have done, but, uh, but one, also, one penalty in the fucking first game. Come on. But, and exactly, that's exactly it. Sample size comes into it, right? The Oilers, no, ref, the name on the back of the damn referee jerseys come into it. We're going to talk about the refs. The Jets had 12 minors called against them. The Oilers had 11 minors called against them. You flip that over to the Tampa Bay, Florida series. The Tampa Bay lightning have had 32 penalties called on them. And the Florida Panthers have had 30 penalties called on them. Like, so that's I think not that there's fair, a sample, though, because there's no, a sample size argument there. They have so they have a couple they have a couple line brawls in there, and that's fine. But that's the, the that's the thing about about any special team is that you can't get into the flow of of the game. Like coming into this series, we had killed uh, we'd killed off the penalties with no goals against in ten games. We ended this with the last two games just getting absolutely shelled on the power play by the Jets. And What's our PK percentage for the series? Seventy. But, Pardon? Seventy. Seven zero. But when you when you go when you go for that long of a stretch without a goal against, and then you get one, that you know the dominoes just keep falling, and and the team loses confidence in that, and and so yeah, bank milk, you're absolutely right. Special teams context, played a huge role. The seventy percent on the PK is third worst of all playoff teams, and yeah, sample size, I hundred percent Dan. How many? Sorry, and that was what, on twelve on on eleven attempts, uh, something like that. Whatever Dan just said. Yeah, uh, they had the Minnesota Wild had twelve minor penalties. We had eleven. So, and that's and that's over four <laughs> game series. That's crazy. That's just crazy. That's and so, you know, and again, it, like uh, you can say that that's even, and and that's fine. But as Bag Milk alluded to, special teams is our bread and butter. That's where we made our. That's where we make our our money in the regular season. And then all of a sudden, the whistles are gone. That's, 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 that's a tough thing to count on to be, uh, to be clicking when you get one in one game and two in the next game and then four in one game. Like, it's just, it's silly. We got like six last night. It felt like. It well, we got like none trying, in overtime. Like that's for darn sure. It felt like they were, they felt like they were trying to make up for them. And they, they got four last night. Yeah, and they didn't most of them come in the second period after the Oilers had to kill off like three in the first. The yeah, team the like the Oilers got, the got four there last was like, night. The Jets got five, including two in overtime. Yeah, there was like three attached to each other. Felt like, and those, yeah, well, over, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind the fact of that just McDavid, the fact that McDavid didn't draw a penalty in that series just We're tells you everything you need to right fucking now, know. But first, but first, I want to talk about Cornerstone Insurance for 19 years and four generations. Cornerstone Insurance has been a family and employee-owned business here in Edmonton. They've got all the insurance products you need. Spring is here, turn it into summer. Maybe you got to get your bike out. Maybe you're shopping for some insurance. And the Cornerstone can make that happen. Go to cornerstoneins.ca, cornerstoneins.ca forward slash about. You can find on the left-hand tab, a left-hand side of your screen, a citizens of the nation tab. Get yourself a little discount on some car, home, personal insurance, whatever you need, whatever you need. Since we can't keep Rick off it, we might as well get to it. Mm-hmm. We might as well talk about the referee. I could not be angrier that the NHL feels that it is acceptable 
to watch their stars get jet skied or uh, water skied, I should say, hacked everything in between and think that's okay. And think that that is the way to sell the product on the ice. Not only that, the inconsistencies in what was being called was fucking dog shit. And I say that for both sides. There were times when I would just, I would kind of laugh when the Oilers just got away with one. I'm like, well, I guess that goes, I, you guys hear me talk about prison rules all the time. That's what this series was. Oh, yeah. And if it was called even normally for a regular season game, which in itself is inconsistent. I don't know what we're talking about here today on Tuesday, because we talked about Josh Archibald's clipping penalty and suspension from game three. Well, are you telling me that the same fucking play that DeMello made on Connor McDavid last night wasn't almost the same? Stuck a knee out. You freeze frame it. It's there. Not even a minor penalty on the play. Department of Player Safety didn't even feel like looking into it. And yet, something very similar, equally dumb in my opinion, yeah. results in a suspension for Josh Archibald and a two-minute minor at the time. What are we doing here? It's like, why bother having referees on the ice if they're just going to... Here's another thing that bothered me about the refs last night. They weren't calling anything. And Yamamoto takes a penalty in overtime. That was a puck battle. Sure, it was a hold. I'll, I'll say it was a hold. But It was definitely a penalty. It was definitely a penalty. But based on the context of the game and the moment, how are you calling it? Okay, you call it fine. The Oilers got away with the kill. Huge kill. And then what? Three, four, five minutes later, McDavid breaking out of his own end, fucking mauled. Later on in the frame, right in front of the refs, I should add, Leon Dreisaitl is trying to vis- physically pull his stick out of a Jets defender's hand. You can see him jerking on it, and that didn't merit a penalty. What are we doing? And I'm right. not trying to make up excuses that the Oilers lost because of the referee. But what I will say is that it's endlessly frustrating to be watching a game and you don't know what the fucking rules are on the sport that you've been watching your whole life. And the NHL seems to be okay with that. The NHL seems to be fine with shitting all over their own product, not protecting their stars, and just being like throwing it off in the t- in, 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 as game management. What happens if DeMello hurts Connor McDavid there? Then what? The NHL still thinks it's a clean play. Call the fucking rules. And I mean that on both teams. Players will adjust. Players will adjust if you're calling hooking. Just like back in, what was it, 2006, when they started calling stick and fraction. Everybody time. made adjustments. Everybody made adjustments or you would end up in the box. And then all of a sudden that's just gone because it's playoff hockey. And then we have to sit through the intermission panel talking about that's just playoff hockey for you. The Oilers are getting fucked up and down the ice by the jets and they're not calling anything, but that's playoffs, baby. No, it's not. It's garbage. It's trash. And I honestly, I feel confident that if this was going the other way, I would probably say the same thing. Just be like, you know what? We got lucky on there because they were not calling shit on the jets. My my dad, I was talking to him about the about that the other day actually, and he said it's just it's he was talking about how dumb it was that in the playoffs this happens, and he said in baseball they don't suddenly in the playoffs say you know what you need four strikes to strike someone out exactly. in basketball they don't suddenly go guess what three pointers are only worth two now fuck you like hockey's the only sport yes for whatever reason come playoff time is like you know what 
our rules aren't the same anymore. And then not only that, I loved your point as well, Bag Milk. You just sit there and listen to like the panels be like, wow, that's the way it is. It's the way it was in the 80s with Kelly Rudy and the boys. So that's the way it should always be. It's like so fucked up. Just like call the sport the way it's supposed to be called. Like, I don't, it's like a badge of honor that some hockey fans wear that like, well, you know, you're going to get two handed in the fucking mouth in the playoffs. And that's just the way it is. It's like you watch the Super Bowl, right? They don't stop calling offside in the fucking Super Bowl. They don't stop calling interference and holding and all the shit that gets thrown. It's ridiculous and it's garbage. And you you look around the NHL in the playoffs right now. And if you're selling this playoff hockey, you shouldn't get called. Like, give me a fucking break. What is it going to take to actually call the rules for the sport? It's just like, it's a guessing game. Series to series, game to game is a fucking guessing game on what's a penalty in the NHL. And it's garbage. You're well, telling me that if this is the NBA... The NBA finals, NBA playoffs, and LeBron's driving to the fucking key. He's not going to get called on whatever he normally gets called on. Of course he is. They don't eliminate. And he can, t- and he can take the four. Fucking... And they let him take four steps. It's nonsense. Well, so here's so here's my thing, right? It's a if you look at two sports that are the the two bottom sports of the big four, the NBA and the NHL, they both okay. have a problem. And it's, and to me, it's, it's the polar opposites of each other. The NBA shades to their star players on every decision that they make. And that's, and that's, you know, I think that's almost to their detriment. The NHL, meanwhile, looks at Logan Stanley as as important as Connor McDavid to the sport of hockey. And, and so at least in the NBA's defense, they can tell you, if you have a LeBron James on your team, you're going to the championships with the, with the NHL. You have to have a well-constructed team, and that's really good for marketing. It's really easy to market. You know, come watch how a GM constructed this franchise and how the Tampa Bay Lightning were able to circumvent the cap rules and bring in $17 million (laughs) of cap space in the playoffs. That's how we're going to market the NHL this year. Meanwhile, I wish the others could do that, you know? The, one meanwhile, time I want to be on the business end of one of those. Exactly. You have two of the best players in the league, and it's it's prison rules, and you just have to like it. Kevin BX is going to laugh about it while you while you're watching the broadcast. So it's yeah, it's just uh, you know we we can talk about it, and we'll talk about the fact that Connor McDavid didn't draw a damn penalty in a four game series, but Logan Stanley sure did, and that guy is six foot eight soft as they come when it comes to being hit himself, but then he can rough up any one of our guys. You were, you were mentioning that sequence bag milk where Leon Dreisaitl had his stick held Con- or Kyler Yamamoto had his head taken off by, by a cross check and there was no call. Right well, that, was a, that. that was a downward Tomahawk chop and nothing called and whatever Zero. that's maybe that's playoffs for you. But then, but then to have sustained pressure broken up by an infraction of the rule that to me is the murder that you're looking for. And that's the only thing that you can call in overtime is murder. They murdered the offensive pressure from the Edmonton Oilers by holding the stick and breaking the rules. You call a penalty. It's just, it's frustrating. Another dumb That Archibald suspension too. was fucking weak. That Archibald suspension was fucking weak. He didn't stick his knee. He's a midget compared to this motherfucker. Yeah, he avoided and he, a check. He went low because he went, sure. Did he go a little too low? Yep, yeah, probably. It's definitely a penalty. Took away- Call the penalty. Two no minute minor. problem. It's where not. The fuck, where the fuck is this suspension coming in? I, I, I don't hate him getting one game for that, but it's stupid looking back at it now and going Archibald gets a game and a costly penalty and an important part in the game. And DeMello got nothing. Like how does the NHL is a sport, but it's well, so random, right? Sure. Like, 
Well, there's also, there's, I don't know if you're going to touch on this, Tyler, and I'm sorry if I steal it from you, but like, what was it? The day before, two days before, uh, Shea Weber gets fined 5K for a cross check to the back of Wayne Simmons' head. And then, and then, Archibald gets a one-game suspension for something that was yeah. dumb. Definitely, and I think we all agree it's a penalty. But like, what are we doing? They've thrown out a bunch of fines. They've thrown out a Anthony bunch of got, fines. Anthony like Mantha got five thousand dollars for rolling onto a goalie that looked no worse than what uh, than what was it? Pionk did to Smith. Like it's just it Appleton, is. I think it was. Yeah, Appleton. You're right. It is just the old adage of spin the wheel at DOPS and see what happens. Maybe it's like but, I would have. I would have been. I would have been happy if they would have come in the next day and said, okay, whoever that was, you got a $5,000 fine for trying to, you know, trying to downward chop on, on, on Yamo's head. Or even today they say, Hey, listen, here's the, uh, a fine for DeMello for his knee. But no, they don't have the fucking balls to do that. Well, maybe, maybe the department's too small. They don't have time to watch all the games. <laughs> like they can, they can only pick like two a night and they're like, fuck. It's like they they've got go a bed. tank full of manatees and their suspension and punishment is just a fucking floating balls on top of their tank and the manatees, they swim up they because the they s- see one and they grab it and they pull it down Toast and part. drop it into a thing. Thank you, Dan. They have the same, they have the same bedtime as Tyler, except for they're living in the Eastern, in the Eastern time zone. So they're fucking in bed by the time the game. Gets <laughs> you can only get suspended if it happens before 9 30 PM Eastern. After that, <laughs> it's fucking, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, Last word on the refs is again. I'm I'm not making up excuses that um, they're trash. The Oilers lost because the refereeing. But as somebody who loves the sport and has watched, I mean, I've watched a bunch of of games from the other series around the league. It's just how is this what both teams got? How is this what you can't just wrap up? everything under the tidy little blanket of playoff hockey you're just you're you're encouraging mediocrity and that's the nhl not only are they encouraging mediocrity with this level of officiating they also are incredibly stupid i've said this on other podcasts on this one on real life on bcast it's like this league constantly talks about how to get more goal scoring Every single year, we're talking about making bigger nets. The goalies need smaller pads. They do this and that. and the, Or just call the fucking rule book. You've got Goals would go up right if you there. got the rule book. It's, it's the solutions right there. Does anybody want to see a nine power play game? No, but I'll tell you what. The players will adjust. They will adjust. Because I'll tell you one thing right now. If you went into the Winnipeg Jets room last night, we're all serious for that matter. And you ask them all very honestly, do you think you'll be penalized for anything? They probably would have said no. And they operated accordingly. Yep. They realized it early on. Yeah. And I like that point too, because like calling the rule book, it might result in one year of like a lot of power plays in the game or like a few months, but you're right. Bag milk. Eventually they're going to adjust and Coaches are going to start going to their defensemen and saying, listen, I know for the last two years, you could hook Connor McDavid and whack him down when he's coming into the zone. But guess what? They're calling it every time now. It's not worth. And then eventually Connor McDavid is just going to have more room to do stuff. And so will Austin Matthews and Jack Eichel and go down the list of naming the superstar players in the NHL. It'll, it'll only benefit the game, but this is also a league that took 20 years to figure out how to fucking stagger their game starts for the playoffs. They figured out like this year that you can, you should start one game at five and the other game at six. They couldn't figure that out for like my whole life until now. Well, and 
to that point too, talking about, you know, like how the teams adjust, it's happened. We've seen it when the obstruction rule became a rule. Remember that adjusted. was going to be a new thing. There was, there was memos sent out and preseason had, you had 14 Videos. penalties in a game and exactly. This is a was, penalty. Just so exactly, you know, they all learned it. They all adjusted to it. And then halfway through the season, we're like, did they stop calling it? Did they forget the memo? You know, and then the teams are left questioning, well, what do we do? Do we continue to not obstruct because they're not going to call it? No, every team is going to play to the edge of the rules and beyond. That's just the natural way of the hockey and the way of the sport. And you're right. Not knowing what that edge is, is a joke. And when one team figures out where that edge is and the other one doesn't, that team usually benefits for that reason. So it's, uh, yeah, it, we could go on. We could go on the entire podcast about this. Well, it, I mean, I've added, I've added some names. I've added some names <laughs> to my list. Brad Meyer and Eric for that. Next time, you, next time you guys are in Edmonton, I highly suggest you bring <laughs> earplugs. Um, I know we're doing a whole post mortem here, but there's like some int- there a, a very interesting piece of information just came across Twitter. Um, oh God! It's okay. What's it about? Is it about us? Wayne Gretzky. Uh, one minute ago, oh, Wayne Gretzky in a statement. Terrifying. With great appreciation, I wanted to let everyone know I have decided to step away as vice chairman of the Edmonton Oilers effective today. The Oilers, their fans, and the city of Edmonton have meant the world for me and my family. For four decades, that will never end. Given the pandemic and other life changes, I realize I will not be able to dedicate the time nor effort needed to support this world-class organization. He thanks Daryl and Renee Cates, their entire family, and the team for all the support. Wishes the Oilers nothing but success. So Wayne Gretzky stepping away from the Oilers organization. Would he have to do that to go on TV? Probably. Yeah, so that just means what he's going he's going to ESPN. No, I think it was. So I think I saw this like a week and a half ago or something like that. TNT offered them like a ESPN of fucking. Oh, ESPN. Was it T- ESPN? Yeah. Okay. Somebody offered Shapiro. them a boatload of fucking cash. Okay. So, um, well, I'm. Oh, dude, it has to be like today when we're all like our we're fragile enough. Like this is like this is he good. wants out. <laughs> this is a good he's thing because the, he's he's exactly. holding the door. No, no, he's holding the door. So now Connor's got his bag. He's walking out too. Leon no, already no. started the car. They're all going to go there for <laughs> this, uh, this. This, 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 this is for TV. Hopefully. The trolls, the trolls are going to now latch onto this, and we're going to see some memes about he how even Wayne Gretzky is bailing out on the team, and maybe it will distract us from the. To set your calendars, buy it. The Oilers are wasting Connor McDavid narrative. No, this adds to it. Up. This adds. This adds to it. Hopefully, it distracts Rick. I'm trying mm-hmm. to take the positive from it. Oh, buddy, there's no positive today. We'll talk positives we, in like July or something like that. Well, here's here's the thing too. It's you also got to remember that if I would be doing the exact same. If this was the Leafs that just got swept, I'd be doing the exact same thing. So it's all noise. It's all noise. It is. And the Connor McDavid thing is the easy target. It's the easy shot. We know he's not going anywhere. Even Ryan Rashog felt the need to do a tweet thread today where he's just like, listen. He chases everybody out of the damn city. <laughs> he's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? It's just like, what are we talking about here? Um, uh, I am bummed, though, because playoff wing. Did you see Gregor's, did you see Gregor's tweet wing. about that? No, I didn't. No. No? Paraphrase? So, um... The people who who uh, who talk like this usually that's kind of way. So important to remember that often it is people who quit or shy away from a challenge themselves who expect and project others to quit uh, when things get tough. Um, so all the people that say he could walk away would probably be the ones who would walk away if they were in the same shoes. However, good news. 
Good news, Nuja. Yeah, he wants to be in weather. He said it loudly and proudly today. I know we're not supposed to talk about the future, but you know, I need some. Positive. He said, he said, "quote I was going to bring that up next because there were media veils today." Nuge said, "quote I think I've said it from the start. I love being an Oiler. I always have. My goal is to stay an Oiler. Right now, it's not really in my mind. I got a lot more in my head than that. It's tough to think about that, but I think I've said it from day one." Um, also, Adam Larson talked about how much he loves uh, the city, and Reiner Shog followed it up by saying uh, that. Ken Holland didn't do any negotiating during the playoffs, obviously, which basically just means for the last six days, he didn't do any negotiating. But Rashog went on to add that uh, on oh, no, ice lost. Oh, Rashog says talks rarely happen around playoff time. My expectation is it will resume in short order and a deal is quite likely to be found between the Oilers and Larson and Barry wasn't as, optimistic nah, he's going he's chasing the bag we all yeah, know he's chasing. barry fine. made that's it fine. barry made it clear he wants a long-term deal that's fine um and, but uh, the nuge one is the big one for me like you got to get i know some people are mad about his season and all that and we're i will save it for friday's episode actually i'm not going to go on my rent i will say though, don't yeah, sell short i will say though that goal he scored last night was beautiful Gorgeous. and i needed it if, it, if that was his last game as an oiler for whatever reason, uh, he left us with a good one. That was a, a very, very good performance from Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, Ryan Rashad, just to, we'll end this off on Nugent. He just said, said he wasn't thinking last night could be his last game as an oiler. Said he's encouraged by the fact that there was dialogue this year and we'll see where it goes. It's getting done. It's getting done. It's getting done. I just like we're going to be I talk to lead me to believe that it's like. He wants to be here. Oilers want him. McDavid wants him. And I think that last point might become more important than a lot of people are, are willing to, to recognize. I think if Connor McDavid in his exit interview says, and I mean, bag milk, I know you've heard stuff like this too. Like Connor McDavid was pretty adamant at one point about who he wanted on his left side. And he got his way in the bubble. That wasn't a Connor McDavid wasn't surprised when he started playing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins for a long, long time, that was something he asked for apparently. So again, if McDavid sits down in an exit interview with Tippett and Holland and goes, I like playing with 93. He's important in our room. Is Ken Holland going to be like, well, that sucks. He wouldn't come down 150 K in his asking price. So I let him walk. Like I just, well, here's the thing. Nuge. It depends what he wants to do. You know, he's made about 45 million bucks in his career. A lot of money. Buy a lot of ponies with that. Does he want to win? Does he want? Does he want to be a guy who went through ten years of? Does he want to be Andy Dufresne, stopping near the end of the shit pipe before he gets out into the rain? Does that really what he wants to do? I, I seeing his quote today saying, "I've said from the start I want to be an Oiler." In this city, especially when you have. Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong here, but would Ryan Nugent Hopkins not be one of the most sought after UFA forwards this year? Yeah. Like it's tough to tell the list. Yeah. It's tough to tell who's going to get to market. Cause like, I mean, is Gabriel Landeskog going to be a free agent? I'm I'm probably not. Never. Um, So yeah, I would say Nuge is going to be right up there. It's going to be Nuge. It's going to be Taylor Hall. Um, (sighs) I don't see Halsey going to the market either. No, I don't think Hall's going to the market. Like, I don't think a guy like David Krejci, Dougie Hamilton is probably number one, but Nuge is number two. But we're talking about forward. So if you, yeah, so if you're looking at get, if you're looking at getting rid of Nuge, then all of a sudden you need two top six left wingers, right? Exactly. Like, 
exactly. And like the, the one thing that bothered me too a little bit, um, I know we're supposed to be doing this preview next on, on Friday, but one thing that bothered me a little bit is, and I get it. I love new toys also, but man, there's a lot of people thinking that Dylan Holloway will just step into the NHL and score at a rate that he was doing in college. You know, like we've done this. We've seen this movie before. Is Dylan Holloway going to be on the team next year? Probably, maybe, you know, top nine. Fuck yeah. But if you're expecting that kid at 19 or whatever he is to step in and contribute in the top six in the NHL and just be like, away you go. In the playoffs. In the playoffs. playoffs. It's just like, it reminds me of Jesse Pooley-Arvey. Like this year, Jesse was solid, rock solid. We were all thrilled with him. But it took him some time to get to a spot to be Jesse Pooley-Arvey. Yeah. I like this. 100%. I like this chat because this is the, I think we need to talk about the positives that we take away from this. Cause for we me, do this for the last 15 years, Rick, <laughs> no, no. we're going to end on it's a little bit of positivity. Painful. Oh, that's Rick, fair. That's sign fair. out of the chat. This is recorded. <laughs> it's fine. You can leave, but before Rick but for signs me, out of the chat, we got to give a shout out to Deuce Vodka. <laughs> we got to give them a shout out. Deuce Vodka is our sponsor for the, for the podcast. Normally they do hot and cold performers. We're not doing that today. So I just want to give a shout out to Deuce. Go to deucevodka.com forward slash about us. You'll see the story of the vodka. You'll see some handsome pictures of Brett Kissel. There's a, there's a store locator on there so you can get yourself a cocktail. Lord knows we all need a cocktail today. So head on over to deucevodka.com, figure out how to make that happen. Drink responsibly, provided that you are of legal drinking age. All right. We got 10, 15 minutes left. Let's just, some positives, Dan, what do you got? For me, the number one or one of the most exciting things that came out of this, this season and, and into the playoffs for me is Ryan McLeod. That kid, that kid is here to stay. I don't know if he's necessarily here to stay at the second line center, but there is a player there that did not show one bit of rookie ability to me. You know, overall, yes, he had some mistakes. The whole team did, but uh, but yeah, with him, I'm excited there. Uh, Jesse Pugliarvi from the regular season into the playoffs has taken a an absolute step forward, and mm-hmm. you know you. Yeah, you saw the panel there, kind of, kind of ripping on the fact that that McDavid had a little blow up at him. They didn't mention the fact that McDavid then did apologize and said my bad afterwards. You know, and it like, also looked like he was yelling at Gullitson also, depending on which angle you looked yep. at. If you looked at the extended clip, yep. anyway, go ahead. So yeah, I, I, like, there, I, and I know you guys have more. I don't want to take them all off the board, mm-hmm. but yeah, for me, I'm really excited for what we got in Ryan McLeod. I'm really excited what we got from Jesse Pugliarvi this year, and another guy too that I'm. You guys <laughs> mentioned it already, Kyler Yamamoto. That is uh, that is a hell of a player there, and he's his growth is only going to continue to go upwards. I, uh, Rick, uh, I'm making you go because I need to hear Rick say something nice. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> obviously the most optimistic person, right? So if we want to just go uh, sunshine and rainbows, I have plenty of years of experience in doing so. Um, but it's not lip like, service, Rick. It's not lip service. Like it's, it is till like, they do you something. Can't, you it is can't till they say do that something. this series was... It is this till they do se- something. We, we just opened this entire segment up with this series was, you know, a fake... Sweet failure. No, a it's fake not. We sweep. lost four. We were There's one goal games it. for four games. Still a failure. Like, though. I do agree with Rick. I'm not. That's I'm not it's, a it, but, it's not fake. But being we positive, lost, we got swept but being by positive as a fan doesn't mean that you're. I, like I just, I don't. I won't. I won't <laughs> let you have it because being positive as a fan doesn't necessarily mean that you're like, well, everything is fine and everything's okay. There's a time and there's a place to criticize. You just said everything is fine and everything is okay. I yeah, literally did. I'm gonna. I'm going to. I'm going to amend. To pop some, I'm going to amend. To pop some in the net. 
I'm going to amend for Rick. I want to hear I some positive. positive. There's lots of positives. There's lots of positives out there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna amend. So Rick, you can one positive can be followed by one uh, angry vent. Go ahead. Oh, I'm look. The angry vent is all just the the <laughs> the failure. I'm sorry. It, it sucks. It sucks. There's nothing good suck. to take out of this. <laughs> Ask any guy with skates on his feet last night what he's taking. What the positive? I'm sorry. There's no positives here. <laughs> Okay. We're going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to wake up the day after and the day after and it's going to get further and further back in the river mirror and we're going to start to be able to focus on the next season. Yep, 100%. I agree with you. But as of today, we're less than 24 hours from loss. Ask any of those guys who just had a media availability. There is mm-hmm. nothing good. However, going forward, if you want to look at this from the GM's perspective and what he would have to do, I think your right side down your D is, fi- is not fixed, but it's, it's, it's pretty much set. I think you need to you need to figure out what you got going on in the cleft bomb situation because you're going to need a guy down there. It'd be a massive ad. But uh, but you but we're not looking at bringing in um, a whole ton of new. But we're going to bring in a couple a uh, couple big pieces of new, and we're going to need some of the guys here to pick their socks up and be better. I'm just like McLeod. Yep, yeah, fantastic. Looks like he's perfectly on track. But that track is only to like right now. He's got to take the next step and the next step and the next step. I'm not going to sit here and predict that he's going to because I've done that a billion times and I've been wrong a billion times. There's lots to be positive about here. This is not all doom and gloom outside of the, uh, the time that- limit of like when, you've, when you're feeling it the most. You know, once the, once the playoffs are over and the Stanley Cup's handed out, then yeah, 100%. There's going to be all sorts of positivity and new light and, and light at the end of the tunnel. But as for right now, we're in the mix we're the second team out. We lost in four. Yep, they were fucking close and whatever, but it still sucks. It doesn't take anything away. I, we take no solace in the fact they all went to overtime. I'd almost rather lose eight nothing, all four of them. I don't really know, but probably not. Um, but what I'm saying, though, is like right now, there is nothing good. <laughs> Two weeks from now, of course, there's, start, there's, start, there's, start, there's things out there we can start to progress with. But right now, it's, it's dark, gloomy, and everybody needs to look in the mirror and say, how can we be better? There's things you can take away from this series and look at as, in two weeks as for sure. But right now, right now, <laughs> no, you got to sit there and look at even every player out there is going to sit there and like, I'm sorry, man, we failed. Are we players? It's like it's like we're uh, it's 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 your no, but I'm also not game. like I'm not, uh, but I'm also not going to be like a fanatic who just says well, Linus Omar's going to be the best player in the world. He's still going to come back. There's still time. Like this, I will, yeah. You know what, what are you I mean? doing? Why are you dismissing Linus Omar here? It's like uh, Dan's starving right now. Dan's starving right now, and Rick's like, "Here's I a just sandwich. don't want to feed. I just don't want to feed. I don't want to feed those moral victories. I don't want to feed those moral victories. There's no moral like victories. Had. That's what I mean. And to sit here and say like, oh, but oh, but oh, but look, kind of feels like we're looking for moral victories. But here. I'm demanding sunshine from you. I want us to take a loss. I want us to sit there and wallow in it and then come out of the and come out into the brightness afterwards. Sit here and let it affect you. Players wise, obviously fans, we have no control. It's the just an exhausting existence though. And I, I used to be that way, Rick. When we lost in game seven of the Stanley Cup finals, I was despondent. I was I was beside myself for, for I'm still dead inside and months and, and, and it still hurts. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't change that. But but I still hate I, that franchise. I'm still dead inside. <laughs> yep. When I, I feel that. yeah, and, and, it, and it's not wrong, and it, and that's why that's why the the coming back from four one down, it was four one, didn't bother me that much because I'd but seen can, I've seen the be, darkness. We can be positive in a couple of days. We can be positive outside the playoffs, 
But right now, I want I, I want every single player. I want the GM. I want all the coaches to sit there and feel this. If you want to, if you want to learn from these things, you need to feel these things. Don't try and get away from them. Sit there and take the emotion in. But Process talking about the positives doesn't make the coach tomorrow. think. Well, everything's okay, and I did okay. You don't, don't talk know. about this. There got... are no positives right now. Don't try and make it like I don't want to. I don't want any player to feel like. <laughs> All right, okay. it's not as bad. So is this failure. a podcast for is this a podcast for the Edmonton Oilers or is this a podcast for Edmonton Oilers fans? Because that's what I'm trying to say. I hold myself the same way I'd hold a, a teammate, a player, and for whatever dumbass reason, I see myself from the eyes of like a And I a, love that about player you. I do. More than anything else. I genuinely like, I, love I, that I about you. I can't just remove myself as a fucking fan. I wish that stupid thing was on my chest every fucking day. Like it's just that's just the way I've always been. That's the way I you live your way. I go into way every, yeah. When I go into every sport, that's just the, when I have a, a team or whatever, that's the way I feel it. That's, I, I don't know why it's just who I am and the way I is. And yeah, so I'm going to sit here and I feel like I can fucking cheer better next year. It's going to change the fucking, that's going to change the game. Like that. I know it's ridiculous, but I, but, we, but to that point, we're going to be in the stands next year. That's a positive. That's like, there, oh. there you go, Rick. Good job on getting a positive out there. <laughs> Tyler. At the right room right now, I don't doubt that. Mute Rick. Mute Rick. He got his positive. And Tyler, what do you got, buddy? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, this whole last five minutes of the podcast has been incredibly <laughs> confusing to listen to. Uh, <laughs> it was just like, all right, we're going to end this off with some positives. And Rick's just like, fuck you. And we're just like, all right. <laughs> but I get it. Like, yeah, I, I get don't it too. Be... I get it too. I, the, the way I felt after that 4 1 collapse in game three, like, I've never felt that empty because of a sporting event before. And I'm like, not really exaggerating. Like maybe the 2015 Jays had me feeling that way too, but like this one sucked. Um, but when you look at the season as a whole, you know, Darnell nurse took a huge step forward. That's a big time positive. Yes. So Puliarvi went from an outcast to a oh, member shit. of the core. That's a big positive. I liked what McLeod brought. Yamamoto's not a positive. He had a terrible year. Um, like he's still he's still a good young player. Statistically, um, he did, but I think that his effort and his like he came to game every game. He yeah. was out there playing his damnedest every time, forechecking yeah. all that kind of stuff. But you got to score, and you know, development's <laughs> not a straight line. I'm very confident Kyler Yamamoto can can bounce back next year and have another good year. So, or have a good year. Um, yeah, I think Darnell Nurse is a big positive. That's one I take away. I don't know. Maybe we should just do this on Friday when everyone's in a more positive mood. Because I'm not even in much of a positive mood. But. I'll tell you, though, last night, to be honest, um, they lost the OT. I did the B cast. It was a 1 a.m. B cast. The vibe was just as you expected. And then when I wrapped it up, I just sat there in the silence and drank a beer, staring at nothing. Oh man! I was going to ask how everybody kind That's of what I feel like at inside. the end. Rick, did you smash shit? No, yesterday. Yesterday, I felt nothing. I literally had very little um, emotion going into the game. I lost everything Sunday night. I wa- I left. <laughs> I came home. I grabbed a couple of beers. I live in Oliver area. I ended up walking. I took a picture. To, uh, I sent it to Wanye because I ended up over by uh, Blue Chicago, and I, I kept saw going. It too. What a fucking trek you took! Rick <laughs> walked going. to the Henday. He did the whole loop. Dude, <laughs> then I went south, and I ended up in. And I was in the River Valley all of a sudden. And dude, I just I walked. I walked. I- this is a really like fucked up <laughs> analogy, but it's I was talking about the guys at twelve sixty about it. After I was crushed after game three, and after game four, I was like almost at peace with it. 
And it was like, <laughs> it was like on at game three was someone telling me that my pet had to be put down. Oh no. And like, I was crushed. I was like, it's over, oh, no. but you still oh, had to like, no. spend, you had to still have to spend another like day and a half oh, no. covering the team. And then when, <laughs> when it actually ended in game four, I was just kind of like, cover your ears. You know what? The, the Oilers are in a better place now. And did that better place any, is the option. Did you get any did you get any any turn in that yesterday? Like I went I walked in, I sat there as dark as whatever, but there was times when I got a little bit of the heart going and I got a little excited and I was sitting up on the edge of my couch a couple of times. But in the end, it wasn't as a, as big of a letdown, but little parts of me did allow me to get a little bit of hope last night. I was excited. because well, you saw you saw the best player do yeah, best player I things. I was excited. I uh, saw us go up in a game where, you know, we shouldn't have learned from or should have learned from our mistakes the previous game. <laughs> the, I, I texted I, one of my buddies who's probably like the biggest Oilers fan I know or like out of my friend group. And I was like, I'm taking a shot right now before the game. The next three hours will either shoot me into euphoria or leave me at the bottom of a pit of despair. And I was like, there will be no in between here, yeah, but no. I was accepting of it. I knew what the two outcomes were in game three. When they blew that, like, again, we were making the memes. We're up four one. We're back in the fucking series. And then like 40 minutes later, you're just like sitting there staring at the TV being like, what the fuck? Like that was the worst feeling in the world. Like they stomped on your soul, but I had no soul left to be stomped on. I knew life sucked. So when they were eliminated, it was like, I don't know. I don't have to do pregame podcasts anymore. I have a little more. That's actually, uh, you actually reminded me that I got to go through the nation's Instagram account and unblock some people because last night during the beat cast, I was having no, I had no time for shenanigans. So people, if they were just saying even the most mellow negative comment, like stuff that I would normally not even acknowledge, I was just being like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> just block anybody, them. <laughs> anybody that's run any kind of social media thing understands exactly what you're feeling though. Oh, you just, man. There's a certain point where you just have had enough and it's, there's no sense in piling on. All right. So what have we learned? Let's wrap it up. What have we learned? Hockey. There's sucks. work to be done. There's work to be done. This team, Being an Oilers this team, fan is painful sometimes, but it's team, fun sometimes. You didn't learn this team that. Team has yesterday. the ability to do it. This team has the has the <laughs> no, horses no, no, no. on the team already, and it's only going to get better because there's some time to play this off season. All right. Um, I do want to end off legitimately. I want to end off on a a real positive. Um, that I think we can all get behind. I want to say thank you. Before the season started, I wasn't going to do the beat cast this year. I had no interest in doing it. I'm over it. I hate beats. It was supposed to be Dan. When when did we start this bullshit? Like four years ago? 2018 in the in the three uh, years fall. Ago. So three years ago, it was. It started off as the sacrifice for 500. I was going to eat mm-hmm. a can of beats after an Oilers loss until they got to 500. They never got to blah 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 blah, and it's carried on now for three years. I had no interest oh, yeah. in doing it this year. I had zero interest. So before the season started, we were talking about this on real life about what could I do? Should I just do a broadcast or should I do something different entirely or whatever? And then the idea came up is why don't we get people to donate money to the Edmonton food bank? And instead of just eating beets, they can make a recommendation. So this year I've eaten fucking, I've just taken shots of clam juice. I did jackfruit, which I didn't even know was a thing. I did uh, escargot. I had these like, other weird sardini type things or whatever they were. So there was just like, people were having fun with it and I was having fun with it. And it added a different layer and we were getting people to donate money to the Edmonton food bank. 
So I had a goal of a thousand bucks. I thought, you know what? 56 game season, thousand bucks. People will throw 10 bucks, 20 bucks here and there. That'd be great. So I did the total this morning and the total from the year came out to $1,310. So I tweeted that out just to say thank you to everybody that donated money. Um, there's a lot of people that probably could have put that elsewhere, but they sent it to the Edmonton food bank. And then the Edmonton food bank responded with saying, thank you so much for the entertainment and the support. This donation could go towards purchasing approximately 227 kilograms of food, which is more than 1,392 times as heavy as a hockey puck. And that was from the Edmonton food bank. So the real positive here from the end of the season that I just want to end this off with is to say thank you to everybody that spent your money and donated your money to the Edmonton food bank as part of the stupid post game show that we came up with about three years ago. And I think that's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool to raise some money for good. And we know that the Edmonton food bank is going to do a lot with it. And I just want to say, thanks. I want to say thanks because you didn't have to donate. You don't have to watch, you don't have to participate, but you do. And I'm very grateful for it. We're going to do it again next year. We'll figure out another way to get some money raised for the Edmonton Food Bank. I don't know what it'll look like, but we'll get there. And that's a positive. I think we can all appreciate how the nation, no matter what it is, always steps up and does the right thing. So I just want to say thank you to everybody for your donations. Uh, thank you to the Edmonton Food Bank for playing along with us. Um, they would always, they would retweet, they would favorite, they would comment, they would chime in. So Thank you to everybody for participating in that. Uh, and just to close it out, we've got to say thanks again. Sherwood Ford, Skip the Dishes, Cornerstone Insurance, and Deuce Vodka for making this possible. This is not what we had planned. We had planned two episodes a week throughout the playoffs, <laughs> and we got to do one. <laughs> no! Why? We got to do one. And obviously, we're all gutted. This isn't the way this was supposed to go. But that's life in the streets. And we'll be back on Friday with our usual scheduled program. We're going to start looking ahead. But for Rick, we're going to end this off and let us all stew in our misery if we like. If you want to be positive, hit us up, ON Radio Podcast. Or if you're like Rick and say, get your positive bullshit out of here, it's only been a day. I want to hear it's, that cathartic, it's cathartic to, mo- to, to mourn this for a while. So let's yeah. sit here and let it soak in for a little while. And then on the outside of this, we'll turn back into the uh, everything's positive and we're going to win the Stanley Cup next and year. Or for now, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to sit here and stew in this for a while and, and I, uh, yeah, become a better person from it. I apologize for making an analogy about dead pets. That was or, uncalled and rude. <laughs> As Shane Corson told us, one Joey Moss would say all the time, feel good. Why not? Just leave it there. I'm Bag Milk, Nation Dan, Rick, Tyler, you're on Chuck. This was the lone playoff episode of Oilers Nation Radio. <laughs> we'll go for a high score of two next year. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll really shoot the moon on, on next year. You never know, though. Maybe we'll have a, we'll do a bonus for maybe the draft or free agency or something. I don't know. Last year, we did Classic a podcast Oilers. on free agency day. And we had a good time. So maybe you know, we, we should, have to look forward to. Next year, Mission 22, we should do two episodes after game one. So we just guarantee we get two episodes in and change the mojo. No, you know what you're going to do next uh, for mission 22, Dan. What we're going to do is we're going to start recording seven days a week. So that we can, <laughs> there's we no possible thing. fucking way that we're going to miss anything. Oh, uh, right. I also say goodbye to my beautiful playoff mustache, everybody. It will not be here next time we speak. You should probably tweet that I'm so that everybody can appreciate it. I'm surprised it's not gone already. Yeah, it'll be gone. Uh, it'll be gone by tomorrow. So documented. There we go. There's the debrief episode of Oilers Nation Radio. Not what we planned, but 
We made it through this together. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Shout out Rick's dead soul. Best wishes. <laughs> the Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media to stay up to date and never miss a podcast. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.